So um, everyone, you're all very welcome to today's edition of AFS Live. AFS stands for Alliance for Science Live, where we meet every Thursday to talk about anything, anything science, agriculture, biotechnology, policy. And today we are excited and honored to have one of our very important partners on the African continent, AATF, <coughs> to tell us what AATF stands for. And this afternoon we are going to talk about what influences um, technology adoption in Africa. Technology today is going to refer to agricultural technology, new seed varieties, new agronomic practices, is Africa slow? Are we faster doctors? I will not preempt Nancy. That is going to be our discussion for that day. But at the end of the day, we want to go away with, with um, a learning point. If we are slow, how then, what then should we do to ensure that Africa does not lag behind when it comes to agricultural policy? So over to you, Nancy. Um, please take over. Thank you very much, Patricia, and it is good to see you virtually, Paul, but uh, you look great, and I think, uh, I don't know if you're in, uh, in uh, Nigeria or Uganda. Yes, I am. Uh, but I, am I am in Ibadan, and just to give ah. you a little bit of, I see online we have 22 people, so Thank welcome you. to our 22 participants who are joining us on Zoom, and the rest who are joining us um, on Facebook. Thank you. Thank you, Patricia. Uh, thank you very much and welcome viewers from far and wide. Thank you very much for making time to join us for this very interesting conversation. And as Patricia introduced us, we are from the African Agricultural Technology Foundation, AATF, and we are about smallholder farmers and getting technologies to them, technologies that would make a difference in their lives and have an impact in their general livelihoods. I will now uh, lodge, take us into the discussion because this topic is very interesting and uh, Patricia has indicated to us that uh, time is, uh, is critical. And I know these gentlemen that we have today have a lot to share with us. Uh, but let me introduce them uh, very, very briefly. The two gentlemen, are actually very passionate about farmers and about getting technologies to farmers. And I say so because I have worked with them and I have interacted with them and, uh, and I see the way they do that. Uh, now, Dr. Munyaratsi Jonga, uh, he is our seed production uh, manager at AATF and uh, we call him Munya in short. He's an agronomist and seed production specialist. He's got a lot of experience in agriculture and the seed sector especially, and a passion for seed sector development and management. Uh, Munya has experience in agricultural research and extension, and he has worked in the fertilizer, uh, crop chemicals, and seed industries for many years. He is a gazetted seed inspector, seed production and quality assurance manager, and at ATF, he leads the seed production docket and interfaces very directly and um, uh, frequently with the value chain players along the seed production, commercialization, and uptake pathway. So he was the right person to have for this uh, meeting uh, or discussion. Munya, welcome. Thank you, Nancy. I'm glad to be on this webinar. Uh, you're welcome. And the next uh, person is uh, Dr. Daniel Chalo Willy. Um, we call him Willy. Some of us call him Daniel. He's got various descriptions and uh, names internally at ATF. And he is an agricultural economist with over 15 years working with smallholder farmers. And uh, Willy is very widely published in his area of work. And he, he has conducted a lot of research to support agricultural policy reforms in Africa, which is uh, something he does at ATF always. He has done this in various areas from land policies, agro-input marketing, input subsidies, and wetland resource management. At ATF, Willie uh, is responsible for implementing the TAT policy enabler programs 
aimed at creation of an enabling environment for efficient deployment of high-impact agricultural technologies. So viewers, as you can see, these two gentlemen have wide experience between them from research and development and the enabling environment aspect related to agricultural uh, deployment, commercialization, and getting uh, the farmer involved and interfacing with the products. So to kick off our discussion, I would just like to ask uh, the two gentlemen to help us understand and describe what, what do we mean when we say technology adoption? And any of you can jump in at any time, any point, and oh, before I forget, I forgot to, to say to our viewers, please use the chat, uh, the chat area to speak with us, uh, post there your comments, uh, your questions, and we will pick them up from there. Okay, so back to you gentlemen, if you can help us understand what is technology adoption and then how can we measure it? How can we say this technology is widely adopted? Um, thank you very much, Nancy. I'm glad to be part of this important discussion and um, thank you for your kind introduction. Um, mm -hmm. Quickly into, the, into your question, I think uh, in simple terms, technology uh, adoption can be looked at as the uptake and consistent use of technologies by our farmers. And that is very critical because as much as uh, we have technologies, the impact of those technologies can only be felt if farmers uh, receive them, implement them at their farms, and use them consistently for a long period of time. Um, part two of your question was how do we measure uh, technology adoption? Uh, at farm level, we can measure technology adoption by looking at whether or not a farmer is using a particular technology. And the second level is to what extent are they using that technology? For example, if we are talking about a new maize variety, the issue is to ask how many hectares has the farmer put under uh, production of that variety. And that would be also a good measure of uh, adoption. At a uh, regional level, you can think of how many farmers in a particular geographical area have uh, adopted that technology, and that can be a measure of uh, technology adoption at spatial scale. Thank you, Nancy. I can add a bit from what um, uh, Daniel had said about uh, adoption. I just wanted just to bring in an angle from business where you, when you have your product and there are repeat sales from that product for that product, then you, you know you have got um, um, a good customer base and your business will be viable. And we are also we have um, confidence that uh, our farmers are using that product. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. So from both the business angle and from the product or farmer angle, we've got measures towards uh, indicators of adoption. Uh, thank you. So therefore, why would you think it is important, why is it important for us today to be discussing uh, technology adoption on the co continent? Of what significance is that discussion uh, to our, let's say, development, uh, technology development and commercialization uh, aspects? Uh, Nancy, I think I need to point out that maybe on the African continent, uh, we have been behind in terms of uh, technologies. So currently, there is um, good uh, developments and uh, catch up happening in terms of developing the uh, new technologies or products to um, address some challenges that we face or some uh, requirements that we have in the agriculture sector. So now we are at a point where there are a number of technologies, maybe some are on the shelf, some are in the pipeline, and we need them to be adopted so that they can have impact uh, at, at, at farmer level. So it's a good time to discuss uh, how that adoption can take place. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you and very if much. I can, if I may come in, mm -hmm. if I may come in, um, just to add to what Jonga uh, mentioned, I think uh, this moment in time, Africa is uh, gearing towards achieving economic development. We know that most of our countries have lagged behind in the wheel of development. 
And we all know that um, most of our people are engaged in farming. Um, close to 2 million, uh, 200 million farmers in Africa are engaged in, uh, in, in agriculture. And definitely we know that uh, utilizing agriculture as a tool for development is our priority. But we have to think of what is this uh, silver bullet can help to improve our agricultural productivity. And the answer is not far from technology. And therefore, for us to achieve economic development, we need to enhance productivity in our farming systems. And for that to happen, we need to adopt appropriate technologies. And that's why the discussion as to how we need to uh, fasten the process of technology adoption is a very critical uh, point, uh, discussion at this point in time. Thank you. Thank you very much. You've made it very clear. This is a critical topic at this particular time to move what is in the pipeline, what is in research, and to also help with the economic development uh, agenda. Uh, therefore, to that point, what uh, would you see as as the right technology portfolio, therefore, that uh, can lend itself easily to adoption by farmers and uh, people in the value chain uh, in order to enable this faster adoption? Nansa, uh, maybe I can start uh, maybe talking about um, from the angle of the product. Um, or technologies that, that uh, um, could be a part of the portfolio uh, leading into adoption. Um, we farmers face a, a number of challenges uh, when they do their production um, on, on farm level. So if we have products that can uh, provide solutions to some of those challenges or risks associated with farming, like um, if we look at pests and diseases, and uh, if you look at productivity issues, uh, is there um, good genetic gain so that their yields can improve? Uh, we also look at uh, um, whether the products can fit uh, the purposes or farmer preferences um, that um, can address some of the issues um, with uh, even their livelihoods. Uh, nutrition aspects and, and so on, and even um, things that uh, fit in the value chain for agro-processing. And uh, we also need to look at a portfolio where some of the technologies or products can help to make um, the farming operations easier, maybe uh, a portfolio that involve products that are amenable to mechanization, uh, and even digital solutions so that uh, farming can be attractive and, 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 and uh, maybe reduce costs and also less riskier. So I can say maybe from that angle, uh, that, that comprises the portfolio that we can um, look at. Uh, but I think Daniel can also add on to that. Yeah, well put, well put, uh, Jonga. I think uh, you are on, on spot. And what I can just add there is that uh, in that portfolio, we also need uh, technologies that address specific needs of specific people in the society. Uh, for instance, we know gender groups have specific uh, needs and uh, requirements, and therefore technology should address those specific needs. Uh, if you think of the youth, for example, they also need technologies that are able to address their special uh, uh, requirements and th that's also very important. Thank you very much co colleagues. Uh, from here I, I, I hear on the one hand technologies to solve problems but also technologies to build our lives and technologies to meet different needs that we may have uh, from different quarters. Excuse my trying to summarize that. Uh, but that is what I'm hearing, and I can see we, we are getting questions from uh, our audience. I'll hold on that a little bit uh, for longer, then we can uh, go on a little bit. Uh, so therefore, in summary, what if you get this technology portfolio right, and you've got these uh, products and technologies available and ready, what are the factors that would drive adoption of those technologies? Um, thank you, Nancy. That's a very important question um, because uh, over the years we've been doing research 
on uh, technology adoption, uh, trying to understand the process of technology adoption, what would uh, drive farmers to adopt a technology or to reject it altogether, even when the technology is very um, uh, beneficial. And I will just summarize into, uh, all the factors that have come up as uh, key drivers of technology into two. On one hand, we have uh, factors that are inherent uh, with the farmer. Um, for example, farmer attributes, their age, their gender, their education level, uh, and even their risk behavior. We know that uh, technologies, um, once they are, they are introduced in the society, there are people who take them very quickly. There are people who would delay in, in taking up, and that, that is uh, attributable to their risk behavior and, of course, their adoption behavior. And therefore, those inherent uh, farmer attributes are very critical because they would uh, determine or rather differentiate between those who would take up the technology and those who will not take up the technology. We are also thinking of social cultural uh, settings and so on and so on. On the other hand, we have factors that are beyond um, the, the, the reach of the farmer. Uh, in the sense that um, the farmers can do very little to influence them. And here I'm talking about issues like uh, the policy and enabling environment within which farmers are accessing and using these technologies. And that, is very, that enabling environment is very critical because it would determine, uh, one, how easy is it for the farmers to access these technologies? How easy is it for the farmers to access the market where these technologies are being um, sold? How easy are farmers uh, uh, able to access uh, supporting services such as uh, extension services, also accessing agricultural credit at cheaper rates, and also accessing um, strategies that help them to deal with agricultural risk? So the policy environment is very critical because it, it, it can uh, be a deal, deal breaker uh, in, in terms of whether farmers adopt technologies or they don't. And therefore, those are very critical uh, drivers of agricultural technology adoption. Thank you. Do you have anything to add, Munya, to that? Not at this point, Nancy, it's fine. Uh, okay. I have a question from um, Mark Edge. Mark Edge works with uh, Bear, and uh, if I can see, uh, if you can just move up the screen now uh, for me. Okay, Mark Edge is asking, it is related to this question that I asked, do farmers in Africa understand uh, what technologies are good for them? Uh, I think you've talked about that. And if they're not aware, of technologies that are good for them, what is the best way of increasing that awareness? Please pack this question because you'll cover it later. I'll ask you uh, something similar. And if they're aware, what are the main barriers holding them back from adopting those technologies? Also hold that question, pack it somewhere and I'll come back to you as I follow up with another question here. Uh, so therefore, and maybe I'm adding on to Mark Edge's question is, um, You've talked about uh, the farmer or the user as critical to driving uh, adoption. You've also referred to the environment within which the farmer uh, is operating. So how do you think uh, the issue of farmer psychology, you know, the, the psychology of change, that, that's what I call it. Uh, how, does, how does that come in? Does it impact uh, in any way the issue of adoption? Um, I can uh, come in Nancy, there. Um, I think, yes, uh, there's uh, a lot of uh, psychology involved in the adoption, especially when we're talking about, uh, with, about smallholder farmers. Um, in a, when they try to make a decision to move to a new product, it, uh, at times it takes time for them because uh, of the risk that are associated with uh, agricultural seasons and so on. Uh, for them, if they move to something new, they think they, if they make a mistake and it's not the right product or technology for them, in terms of recovery, they have to wait for another season. In other environments, it means waiting for another year. So for them, when they are doing their agricultural um, activities, they take time to move 
or to perceive these benefits of this new technology. That's why you find we try by creating awareness and try to introduce those products. And at times they, they start by seeing them maybe in demonstrations and uh, seeing is believing, so to speak. And maybe they try to take a small part of that product and test it in somewhere a corner uh, in, in one season and observe it and see whether it is fits their ecology or their farming uh, systems. And when then they see that this is, is fitting their farming systems, then maybe they can come back and try to uh, buy more of that product and maybe change completely in their farming systems or, or their product offering because of that. But there are also um, some other farmer categories like commercial farmers who maybe presentation of data, they can quickly perceive the benefits and they can move on uh, faster with, uh, with that new pro product. But uh, smallholder farmers, they tend to uh, weigh a bit of risk on it and try a small part of it, then change over time. So, but by so doing, that can delay the way they take up products. But you see also in that same farming communities, you might find that there are people, some call lead farmers, champion farmers. There are some of those that can also um, quickly take on new products. And you find others who then follow when they see their champion farmers are using these products and they are successful, so they follow. But uh, all those are some dynamics that uh, we, 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 we meet with in the various uh, farming systems that we deal with. Thank you. Thank you, Monia. Uh, so that sounds like um, better the devil I know kind of scenario and uh, mm -hmm. once beaten, twice shy. Uh, so has a lot to do with what we've been asked here by our viewers on the issue of awareness and education and what uh, you've touched on really on the issue aspects of uh, the users uh, have a lot of influence on the adoption uh, process. So let me, let me just shift to another question just to ask you from your experience, because both of you are experienced in this area, uh, how long does it generally take for a new good technology or product to one, enter the market, and then two, to actually be fully, fully adopted? Uh, thank you, Natsi. Uh, maybe when we look at the, uh, at the new products, maybe we look at uh, um, maybe two stages to it. The, the other one, if I take maybe uh, crops, when you're looking at uh, maybe a new variety of, of, of a crop, you need to, you know, there's uh, the process of trying to register it or release it officially for to be registered in a country to be a product, maybe entered in a national catalog. Uh, that involves some, uh, uh, some testing, you're you working with the regulators and so on. And th that, those various uh, processes of testing until you release a variety, they, they depend uh, with the various systems in, uh, in Africa, where you find some uh, are advanced a bit, and some are still uh, have some challenges, and that, that can affect um, the time that you take from variety development to when it's officially released. Uh, but you would find generally that uh, time some of the uh, systems are constrained and it might take time. But if I quickly switch on to say, when then the variety is, uh, is officially registered or released in a country, then you are introducing that product to, onto the market. Then um, we, we have seen that uh, maybe those processes for that product to be fully um, adopted, it might take even five years because you start by introducing, creating awareness that we're talking about and uh, having our, our, our customers uh, trying the, those things on a smaller way before they finally uh, agree to, to, to use them consistently, as Daniel said earlier on when we started. And, uh, but also we can in, uh, include something in the mix there if it's a seed product, for example, we need also to be able to be able to produce it so that when we promote it and create awareness, farmers would then come and find it on the market uh, in good quantity. So the production process is also uh, will be included there. 
And uh, in terms of, it depends on the capacities of people who are marketing that product, that uh, can they quickly ramp up production and they have a good quantities uh, on the market for farmers to use. So maybe I can talk of maybe from the introduction to when it can uh, peak uh, in terms of adoption, it can take five years. But also here, I need to put a rider, even the resources that we have uh, in terms of promotion can also determine the, 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 the time that uh, the product can be fully adopted. Thank you. Yeah, thank um, you. <laughs> Jonga, Jonga, you are very right. I just want to, to come in here just to add my voice on this uh, important question. And um, as to whether we can place one time period um, across the continent on when it takes to move the product all the way to adoption, I think um, that period uh, varies uh, depending on the country and depending on many uh, factors in that country. Uh, for example, the seed law, the regulations that govern the process of uh, variety release, testing and registration, as well as the, the process of registering um, other technologies, for example, the, the, the process of registering tractors in a particular country and so on and so on. But what I can point out here is that uh, on average, the time period that many technologies take uh, to move all the way to rich farmers is, is long. And that is uh, uh, definitely not acceptable. Things could be better. Um, what we've been doing in, in, uh, at AATF, uh, at the, in the third policy project that I work for, we've been trying to contribute to the process of shortening this time period through encouraging establishment of uh, policies, regulations, guidelines that can help us to to, to, to fast track the process of uh, pushing technologies from research all the way to, to farmers. Um, just two quick examples is that we've been working towards facilitating establishment of seed systems, um, uh, you know, trying to help uh, build systems for faster uh, variety testing and releasing, um, building capacity on uh, variety uh, inspection and so on and so on, because all those contribute towards uh, ensuring that uh, technologies reach farmers faster. The other thing we've been doing is that um, we've been supporting the domestication and implementation of uh, regionally harmonized regulations. The reason why this is important is that if we have technologies that can work across agroecological zones, we are much aware that agroecological zones don't follow the natural or rather the uh, geographical boundaries that we know. So if you harmonize regulations across a region, that means a technology that can work across one, two, three, or four countries can move faster than if uh, each country um, goes through the whole uh, scale of uh, testing that uh, technology, um, uh, registering the technology, and even pushing it to the market. And therefore, uh, through those initiatives, we are hoping that we can be able to shorten the time period within which technologies can reach farmers. Because we don't have the luxury of time, we need technologies to reach farmers as soon as possible. Okay, thank you, Willie, for adding that. Um, and uh, it is very clear that uh, for, for adoption to be meaningful uh, and, or for it to be achieved meaningfully, the product or technology needs to have been sustained in the market for a while for it to really get in there. And as uh, you and Munya have indicated, there is a difference between uh, market entry. We could fasten that process, but there's a deeper process after that on market on, on the product adoption that takes a little longer and requires something else that would be a, diff a little different. So I don't know if you can talk about uh, what what is needed in order to sustain a new technology or a new product in the market long enough for it to actually attain this desired adoption, which you earlier indicated is important or critical to achieving the economic growth that Africa desires? Yeah, Nancy, I think it's... Um... That, that, that's a good question to, for how can we sustain um, the product on the market. And um, if you look at, uh, there are some products that uh, maybe are quite old, but they are still holding on onto the market and maybe serving the purpose. 
Um, so you also, there we look at the attributes of the products that we are talking about. If a product is still uh, um, serving the purpose and uh, being preferred and also solving the uh, challenges that are faced by farmers, it can sustain long uh, in, the, in the market. But you can also find some things that can come and uh, like, for example, a, a new pest can destabilize that and uh, quickly you end up with a new product that moves very fast onto the market because it's solving a very specific need, like for example, the full armwim that we are currently experiencing in the maize industry. If you have a product, it can be it can be introduced and pick and be adopted very fast because it's addressing that um, uh, that that, that uh, uh, topical uh, pest in the in the market. So the product preferences, if it meets the purpose, then you can sustain that. There's also maybe we can talk of capacity issues. Um, if it's a product or technology, we need uh, capacity to produce the quality quantities that are required so that uh, customers can enjoy that product. Uh, you don't want where you want a product and you come one season is not there. So production capacity is, uh, is, is very important in whatever product that you're dealing with so that it's, it's there in the market. I can also talk about um, even uh, the when we talk of product quantity, we have to tie it also to quality. Where if the quality of that product is not satisfactory, that can kill the product. It can pick one time, but because of poor quality, then people it doesn't serve the purpose. Then people can drop it. So you need to also to make sure you put an eye on the quality of that product and uh, and uh, right quantities. And um, maybe I can also talk about um, uh, the value chain approach where um, the, 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 the product uh, is there and uh, maybe you can look, look at the farmer level, it's happening, it's helping the productivity, but also you want to look at the other utilities by value chain actors. Say you are looking at millers or people who um, uh, want it for to produce starch and so on. When they are, that, that, that uh, product is meeting those requirements, then if they are off-takers and market, uh, uh, market preferences, then it can sustain long because there will be a pull uh, on it for, for sustained uh, use. I think I can, uh, Daniel can add it to, to the list there. Mm -hmm. uh, Daniel, if you can... Uh... If you can summarize, we need now to be moving closer to the end of the discussion. <laughs> yeah, um, thank you very much. And uh, before I come in on that aspect, uh, I think there are two questions, from, very good questions from uh, one of our participants, Goodman, and they are linked to my earlier discussion, so it's better just uh, quickly uh, respond to them. Uh, you're asking whether there are any uh, strategies towards um, uh, uh, approval of uh, products in the, uh, at regional level. And yes, uh, within the East African community, we've been working towards harmonizing um, guidelines for registration of pesticides. And uh, that, that is both uh, conventional and biopesticides. And that has already been approved and therefore that is already successful. Um, in Comesa, there are guidelines towards uh, harmonizing uh, registration and uh, um, uh, testing of uh, seed varieties as well as in, um, in, 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 in ECOWAS. And also uh, to your question as to whether there is any specific technology that has been deployed to deal with a specific uh, issue. Yes, uh, at AATF, we have developed the drought tego varieties uh, through our water efficient uh, uh, maize for Africa uh, project. And this was a very successful um, initiative uh, because uh, within three years, we, we, we saw over 26% uh, adoption of the varieties and the numbers are still growing, and therefore that is a specific example. And now quickly to the question that uh, Nancy, you had asked as to how to sustain uh, the technologies in the market, um, I'll quickly bring out three uh, aspects. The first one is that what we have learned over the years is that uh, it's very important to use the value chain approach. As you develop a technology, you need to think through the entire value chain and try to deal with any issues that might, be, might come along the way so that uh, when the technology is ready uh, for the farmer, it is also ready for the market and it will be accept acceptable in the market. Number two, 
what we have learned also is that uh, the private sector is very critical. Gone are the days when uh, technology development and deployment was a preserve of the government. We need to involve the private sector very early in, um, in, the, in the process because uh, successful uh, deployment of technologies and successful adoption will depend to what extent is the private sector involved in taking up the technologies, commercializing them, uh, seeing a business sense in the technologies. And that is how they'll be able to move faster to farmers. Last and very important is the issue of stewardship. We know that every technology uh, needs to be used in a particular responsible way and to create the economic benefits associated with the technology. And therefore, if it is not used as per the stewardship plan, definitely it will fail. And if it fails, it becomes a discouragement to the farmers, and that will be um, an ingredient for farmers to reject it and fail to adopt it. And therefore, those are three, uh, three critical points that can help to sustain these technologies in the market. Excellent. Thank you. Uh, excellent. Uh, are you... Mm. Do we have five minutes? Yes. That's now, what we are saying, or five let, minutes? Let, let, let me not rush us because I see we have quite a bit of interest, a number of questions and comments. Let us go mm -hmm. on until the end of until the end of the hour. So do not be rushed. Oh, okay. okay. All right. Thank you very much. Nancy, there was someone who raised their hand. Maybe they joined after we had started. Please don't raise your hand if you want to say something. Um, type out your question or comment in the chat section. Nancy and the other panelists will be able to see it and address you. Uh, thank you. Thank you, Patricia. We may not need the full time, maybe, but uh, the interest is growing, so we'll use that. Thank you very much for that. Uh, thank you very much, gentlemen. You have summarized this uh, huge area of interest very, very well on how to sustain a new technology or product in the market in order for you to actually drive or lend itself to adoption. And uh, I'm seeing you've uh, summarized it into two areas. One is a technology or product specific area of interest that Munya spoke about. That is the product farmer uh, preferences, new problem solvers, you know, etc. And uh, really, you've come in to indicate uh, issues related to the enabling the environment itself. So therefore, or the operational aspect of it, private sector involvement, um, stewardship, value chain actors involvement and all that, uh, which is excellent. And therefore, I want to ask you, having said all that, what is it, therefore, that we have do what what needs to be done what do we as a continent what do we as players in this field need to attend to in order to move adoption uh, of, te of technologies forward agricultural technologies uh, I, i'll start nancy and say maybe uh having maybe developed um, uh, blockbuster products uh, and and uh, they are there. We need to, to say uh, to now create uh, awareness to make sure that uh, the the farmers can perceive and realize the benefits from from those blockbuster products. And when I say blockbuster products, I'm referring to products that can address the the challenges can uh, improve our livelihoods, can solve the uh, challenges that we are facing. So assuming we now have those blockbuster products, then we need the awareness. We need the robust awareness packages and, and or, or creation. And um, I've seen that uh, maybe we, we talk of uh, doing it, uh, but I think we are not doing it enough. Uh, using the uh, considering the diverse farming systems that we have, uh, and 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 the farmers that are in those categories, so we need uh, to create that awareness so that farmers can see the benefits and uh, adopt those technologies. We go back again to this value chain uh, approach where uh, we need uh, to be able to be involving a lot of players in it so that they, the utilities from that product is not just at one level, 
maybe I talk of blockbuster at the farmer level to address diseases and so on, but is it addressing other things that, um, uh, or other actors in the value chain? So we need that to be involving them, uh, maybe even at uh, product uh, or development stage so that it can also meet the requirements uh, of the other value chain actors. So, you know, if, if we do that and uh, maybe do it more and be robust, then uh, maybe we can uh, improve adoption. But I've seen also maybe a question where um, there are various players that are supposed to uh, promote uh, products so that they are adopted. But also the capacity to do that varies. Maybe if you take a seed industry, um, you might find that there are various players. There are some with good capacity to do this robust awareness uh, creation, but some they don't have that capacity. So it can take time uh, maybe to for such products or people or players who don't have the capacity to, uh, to promote those um, uh, products or technologies, then that might need also other to think of how can we help such partners or nationally, how can we help to promote such packages if maybe at the national level when we think that technology can help the nation go forward. I, I end there and uh, maybe Daniel can add. Maybe Daniel, yeah. before you step in, uh, you can also try and see if you can figure out, you can advise what, what is the issue? What is the issue uh, that therefore we need to resolve in order to push this agenda forward? All right. Um, thank you, Nancy. And let me start by that uh, point of what is the issue. Um, I will point out three key issues that we have uh, that maybe we need to deal with as we move forward towards uh, fastening the process of technology adoption in African agriculture. Um, number one, and a very critical, and I think we, we mentioned that before, and it, it's important to repeat this, um, the processes are too long, and these are caused by um, lack of the right regulations or regulations that are prohibiting, and that uh, cause, uh, you know, they, they become impediments to the process of uh, releasing and uh, registration of, of uh, varieties. That is number one. Number two, um, we have a very big elephant in the room in, in, with regard to um, the presence of people who bring counterfeit inputs in the market. And Africa, uh, by and large, lacks very uh, efficient systems to first uh, establish, okay, we have the, regulation, the standards, but enforcing the standards uh, is a challenge in there. And therefore, uh, the moment you have the possibilities for uh, counterfeit inputs to penetrate the market, then they, they boil down or rather they, they diffuse the, import, uh, the critical important, uh, important attributes that uh, are associated with the, the technologies. And therefore, if we can deal with that issue, I think that can be a very important thing. Um, number three, for all these things to happen, for us to have sufficient systems and uh, capacity to enforce all these uh, standards, we need uh, sufficient public sector investment in agriculture. And that can be able to support that. So those three uh, th uh, things are very important. And therefore, um, if we, we want to make the process much faster, I think uh, those can, can help us really to, to move that forward. And I think, uh, Rob, I agree with your comments here. Um, yeah, we're asking how authorities can uh, better deal with the counterfeit seats that will not give desired traits. Um, I'll just give two examples on how we have been working in, uh, with uh, some partners towards encouraging this. One is the use of digital tools to ensure uh, quality in the market. For example, if you buy um, seed, yeah, there can be a possibility of you scratching a number, sending to a particular a number, and you get uh, a response whether this seed is authentic or not. So that is a good way through which uh, some of the countries in the region have adopted digital tools to ensure that uh, they ensure uh, quality in the, in the market. Uh, the other thing that we've been doing is uh, trying to do um, establish enlisting of uh, authentic uh, agro-input dealers and uh, putting them in a catalog uh, so that you can be able to know if you're in a particular country, you can be able to know who are the accredited agro-input dealers. 
And therefore, you can, when you buy uh, inputs from such dealers, you know for sure these inputs are quality and they are not likely to be counterfeit. Yeah, so those are very, very critical. Thank you very much, Willie. Nancy? Uh, thank you. Uh, thank you, Willie. Uh, I would like to take one or two questions from the audience, um, from uh, our viewers. Rob Wager is asking, how can farmers be better at communicating their desires for the technology to policymakers? If you've got some comment or advice on that, uh, that would help. Um, yeah, let me start and maybe Jonga can come in. Um, uh, Roger, thank you. That's a very important question because uh, the voices of the farmers uh, should be heard by the policymakers so that the policies that are being made are addressing the needs of the farmers. And one critical thing that needs to be done, and that has been an impediment in many of our African countries, is the issue of coordination. Uh, you know, if farmers are speaking at individual level, there's no way their voices can, can be heard. But if they are better coordinated, they are better organized into farmers groups, then through those organizations, they can be able to champion for their uh, needs in, um, among the policymakers, and therefore uh, that can be a, a, an efficient way of passing the, the communication. Maybe Jonga can, can add. I think uh, you've covered it all. Uh, just maybe to mention that uh, maybe in their groupings and so on with their leaders of their groups or in even uh, um, as a group, they can do participatory involvement. You can involve um, uh, farmers so that they can uh, give feedback on um, their requirements or preferences. And I've known uh, that um, some organizations do it very well. There's, they've got a very good feedback mechanism that um, they encourage uh, farmers to give feedback on what they prefer. And that, is, can, that, that information is captured and can be fed into the R&D so that the products mm -hmm. that uh, address what farmers um, require can be made ab available. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Maybe I can add one or two points. I know I'm uh, moderating, maybe not supposed to be talking too much, Rob. Uh, at ATF, we have a program uh, called the Open Forum on Agricultural Biotechnology that actually works with farmers and helping farmers to move their voices to policymakers so that policymakers can hear what farmers are saying for, uh, about some, some of the technologies that are very innovative and new, and maybe policymakers may be hesitant uh, towards acting on it. Uh, so maybe we can uh, give you a little bit more information uh, on that. Uh, thank you, colleagues. Others, I can he see here we've got comments. Uh, some questions have been answered. How governments can support technology adoption, that has been answered. I can see a comment here from Sylvester Oike, who manages our the Tela project across Africa. He say a good example of early adoption was the Tego drought tego maize, I think uh, the drought tego maize deployment that was adopted 26% early adoption within three years only, 26%. Uh, so I think, Munya, this uh, actually really fits perfectly in your five year. So maybe from 26 in five years, we, you may move a little uh, faster. Um, how can we solve the challenge of farmer access to technologies. This is a question from Joanne. Maybe you want to talk about that, colleagues, and uh, maybe uh, specifically, you may have this very good product. It has entered the market. Munya, you spoke about um, uh, producing enough seed in order to make that available. Uh, maybe in a very short, maybe just a few seconds, don't use a, a lot of time, or uh, Patricia will throw us out of uh, the studio. Just to respond to that question. Um, yeah, Nancy, uh, the question of access uh, could be uh, looked at from different ways. When a product is there, as we talked about, do we have capacity to produce it consistently at a good quality and supply in good quanti uh, required quantities? If that is available, then uh, farmers can have access. But we also look at the other side. When you are looking for small order farmers, maybe 
even when the product is there in good quantity and good quality, uh, there could be, is there effective demand or resources to, to purchase it? So uh, I would want maybe to take this approach from where you have produced it and good quality and it is there. So we need to build our capacities to make sure that we can produce the valor in the right quantities and quality and put it where it is placed, it, where farmers can, can buy it and use on their farms. Mm -hmm. Thank you very much. Uh, um, may I ask, uh, oh, you wanted to add something really, sorry. Yeah, uh, I think uh, Jong has, has done justice to that question. Maybe just to add, I think we also need to have uh, not just technologies that fit the uh, privilege of the farmers, but also uh, technologies that produce products that are acceptable in the market. Because uh, if they are not, then uh, farmers will, will deal with the supply side uh, aspect, but you also need to think through the demand side aspect. So all the technologies have to be acceptable in the market. And we're not just talking about seed-based technologies. We're even talking about agricultural mechanization technologies. We are talking about digital uh, tools that uh, are required by farmers. And uh, we are talking about uh, any other technology that can help farmers to do their work better. It has to think through the two components, the supply side mm -hmm. and the demand side aspects. Yeah. Excellent. And the demand side lies on, relies on awareness, education, and all that in order to build that and bring the two together. I have an interesting yeah. question here from Kale Bogunyali. Uh, how can we, and uh, Willie, you spoke about bringing the private sector into play because they're critical. How can we therefore encourage yeah. seed companies to support farmers adopt superior seed varieties rather than just using uh, old varieties that may be inferior to the new ones? Uh, Chalo, if, uh, I, are you able to comment on that, Willie? Yeah, yeah, I can comment that. You know, um, the private sector is driven by profits, um, to, just to be blunt. And therefore, for the technology to make sense to the company, they must see the business sense. And for them to support farmers towards adopting that technology, again, there has to be substantial numbers. And therefore, as you, we think through the process of uh, developing the technology, um, and as I mentioned previously, we involve the private sector way in advance, then they'll be able to bring in their interests. And therefore, when the product lands in the market, then um, the private sector will not need a lot of uh, calling for buy-in. They will already be in the, in the, in the process. But maybe Jonga can uh, add to that. Maybe, maybe we end with that because I need to close. Okay. Uh, maybe let me invite you, very short comments on uh, closing remarks maybe one or two seconds each. Um, Nasi, before, before you close, I would request that we address um, Moses's question. Are there, is there oh, a regulatory yeah, yeah. harmonization? I think oh, it's yeah. the very Moses, last question. Are there regulatory harmonization for the, for an uh -huh, ongoing initiative on genetic modified? Is there regulatory harmonization uh, or an ongoing initiative for on, on GM genetic, genetically modified crops through AATF. Um, Willie, you want to take that? It's about harmonization of regulations for GMOs. Yeah, um, thank you, Moses, for your question. Uh, thank you, Moses, for your question. Um, uh, our work around uh, supporting harmonization of regulations has been uh, mainly on conventional uh, products. Uh, seeds uh, um, and, and pesticides and, and so on and so on. And um, with regard to um, genetic modified crops, I think uh, at the moment every country is uh, using their own uh, regulations and therefore it will be a good thing to move in the future towards harmonizing of that. But as at now, I think there are no ongoing initiatives around that area. Uh, maybe I can add something there for you, Mo Moses. Um, the issue of uh, regulations for GMOs is a very sensitive aspect right now. Uh, most countries are still uh, looking inwards and uh, charting their own ways internally. However, 
RECs, like uh, regional economic community bodies like uh, COMESA, are looking at a way of slowly entering uh, that area. And so that is why really is indicating this is still, is still not very, very clear. Although I can see Francis Nangayo has presented uh, uh, a response also here. Harmonization of GM regulations is well underway. Uh, we, we've just uh, started, COMESA is ahead of ECOWAS. So it is still uh, being molded, it's still being molded because of the sensitivity. There is a quick question from Rob that maybe you want to respond to. Where does public-private partnerships fit into the discussion uh, on adoption? And uh, my guess here is that is looking at, you know, public sector is involved in uh, product development. You've got private sector on this other side. Where does uh, that uh, fit in the discussion? Maybe Nanda would address one part of it and also combining uh, another okay. question. If I may, if I may come in. Um, oh, sorry, I think, uh, as I mentioned before, the process oh. of development and uh, deployment of technologies. <laughs> yes. It's okay. Continue. I had lost you. Also. Yeah, will you continue? Okay, Nancy. Continue, continue, Daniel. Yeah, um, thank you. What I was saying is that. Um, what we know and what we know works is that uh, public-private partnerships are, are work very well and uh, they are very important in terms of supporting technology development and deployment and they can be very critical uh, for adoption. And, and, and therefore, um, we know that the government can play a very critical role of creating and uh, facilitating environment, a uh, conducive environment, and the private sector can come in to bring the business sense which can sustain uh, technologies in the market. Thank you. Thank you. Munya, you wanted to add? No, I can add to that. It's also related to a question that I, I saw on the wall where uh, someone asked the role of extension in, in technology adoption. So I would, I would want to say uh, that, um, you know, most of the technologies or products, we call them, they are technical products, and they require a lot of stewardship for them to, to when you create awareness and when you want to uh, share the benefits with uh, with farmers and you want to be they, they want you want them to be used properly and extension uh, plays uh, a, a role there a very critical role to make sure that those things are sustained in the market is when they are adopted uh, thank you i need we need to wrap up is that okay now patricia i think we can wrap up now uh, and Moses, thank you very much. Yes, we can uh, co collaborate. We'll reach out to you. Uh, so last remarks from you, gentlemen. Nancy, I would say my last remark would uh, now say, in Africa, I think we now have a, a number of technologies or products that, that uh, have been developed that can uh, solve our problems if we adopt them. So I think the critical thing that is needed now is to move this uh, journey of uh, adoption of new technologies so that uh, we can use them effectively to benefit us. I, I end there. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Really? Yeah. Um, thank you very much uh, to our uh, partners, uh, FS, uh, for this opportunity. And I think it's a very important uh, question. My parting shot is that, yes, we have uh, many technologies that can solve the problems that our farmers are facing. The only thing we don't have is time. And therefore, we need to do all that it takes to make sure that these technologies reach our farmers as fast as they can. I believe it is possible. And I believe through technology, Africa can feed itself in this generation. We don't have to wait for another generation. Thank you very much. Thank you. I don't think I need to add anything to your closing remarks, except to appreciate you, appreciate the AFS for giving us this platform for inviting us for this discussion and uh, to recognize all the viewers and to say thank you very much for your comments and uh, for your participation. And I believe, Patricia, I can hand over to you. Yes, thank you very much, Nancy, Munya, and Daniel for a very informative discussion. Our participants on Zoom and Facebook, this has been um, Alliance for Science Live every Thursday, same time. Please um, join us. If you have any 
any issue that you would like to discuss. I saw someone asking about mycotoxins. Please send me an email on PN25. 25 is the country code for Kenya in case you forget. So PN25 at cornell.edu and suggest any, any issue that you would like us to discuss. Thank you very much again, our friends from AATF and have a good evening. Thank you and you too. Yeah. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.